Once again, we have another talk in our series called Nothing But Christ Crucified. You're listening to Search for Truth. So thanks for joining in. It's great to have you with us. Brian, our Bible teacher, continues our studies from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth and a subsequent follow-up to last week, which began with chapter 11. We continue with chapter 11 this week again. Um, So we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and our talk today has the heading Disunity or a Serious Eating Disorder. So let's discover more with Brian. Thanks. It seems that, by God's gracious overruling, Paul could find comfort even in the most heartbreaking situations. He was addressing a divided church at Corinth, as we've seen, one in which there were competing factions. But he says, in verse 18 of chapter 11, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. We're about to find out another reason for the lack of unity that was on display in Corinth when the church gathered. Here's what Paul says next. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. The Lord's Supper had been instituted by the Lord in the context of John chapter 13 during or after a Passover supper and was now being celebrated in Corinth as an agape supper or love feast. The Apostle Jude and probably Peter also, gives us more information of what was going on. It would seem that early on in Christianity there was a practice, not only in Corinth, but a practice whereby the church would gather to share in their main meal together. They must have brought their own food to eat because there was inequality in what they were doing. The food was not equally shared, but some had much more to eat and drink than others. After this meal, they would proceed to keep the Lord's Supper. In that way, there was something in common with the institution of the Lord's Supper, inasmuch as that too had followed on from a shared meal, even if it had been one of the Old Testament-appointed feasts. There was nothing wrong with this practice in itself, but it was being abused. It started out with some flaunting their excess provision over against others in the church who couldn't provide adequately for themselves. That only served to emphasise a divide between the haves and the have-nots in the church. Soon, it appears, things deteriorated to an even worse state of affairs in places, with some false believers taking sensual advantage of the occasion as the wine freely flowed. How absolutely awful when we consider what the proper intention for gathering was, to remember with reverence the Lord's sacrificial death on the cross for us. No wonder the Apostle Jude denounces their behaviour in the strongest terms. This is verse 12 of Jude. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts, when they feast with you without fear, 
caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. The text originally conveys the idea of sumptuous feasting, and is appropriate in view of the fact to which Peter as well as Jude alludes, that these sensual persons converted the love feast into an occasion for revelling. As Paul said, one is hungry and another drunken. Something designed to display their unity had descended into the very opposite, a display of disunity. They were obviously abusing the Lord's Supper, but Paul charges them with despising the church of God here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm reminded of how flawed the worship of God's people was at the close of the Old Testament. The Lord, through the prophet Malachi, says to his people then, You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, How have we defiled you? in that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you, or would he receive you kindly? says the Lord of hosts. But now will you not entreat God's favour, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly? says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Bringing defective animal sacrifices at that time was nothing short of despising the Lord's altar or table back then. And the abuses of the Corinthian believers, while gathered ostensibly to worshipfully remember the Lord Jesus was nothing short of despising the church of God. We should notice the very close relationship here between the breaking of the bread and the church of God. The breaking of the bread belongs in that setting. It's never transported out of that corporate local church context in the New Testament. We read of it in Matthew 26 when the Lord on the night in which he was betrayed, appointed this ordinance for his disciples to remember him by. Later, in the Acts of the Apostles, it's placed in its biblical and proper setting as a mandatory, weekly function of the group of Christ's disciples who are constituted a church of God in their locality. The principal characteristics of that church of God are outlined in Acts chapter 2 in verses 41 and 42, which tells us that the disciples who formed the very first local church had received the word, that is the word of salvation, had then been baptised, that is by immersion in water, and had been added to the church fellowship in which they thereafter devoted themselves by breaking bread and by maintaining the apostles' teaching while consistently meeting for church prayers. The Corinthian letter underlines the strength of the identification of the ordinance of breaking bread with its biblical setting by stating that their failures in eating the Lord's Supper meant they were actually despising the church of God to which it properly and exclusively belonged. Paul then rehearsed how the Lord had revealed to him what had happened on the night of his betrayal 
when in the upper room he had taken bread and wine. But wait, let's hear it from Paul. It's verse 23. He says, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. When the Lord took the bread in that upper room and announced to his disciples, This is my body, we understand that he meant only that it represented his body. Just as we may say of a photograph, This is my daughter. It's a photograph we carry to remind us of someone who is not physically present with us. But because the bread is an emblem of our Lord's body, it has a precious significance. And those who eat it unworthily, and some were certainly doing that at Corinth because of the state they were in, those who eat it unworthily are held by the Lord to be just as guilty as the soldiers who physically abuse the Lord's actual body. Not only were some doing that at Corinth, but they were being held guilty and paying the penalty. The Lord had struck some down with sickness, and for others it had proved fatal. This emphasises how important the accurate observance of this ordinance is to the Lord who gave it to his followers to observe only hours before he headed out to the death of the cross. It was important to Paul to whom the Lord had additionally and directly revealed it. For when he visited Christ's disciples at Troas, he waited a full week with them, so that he might have the privilege of breaking bread with the church there. The wording shows it was the main purpose for the gathering of disciples on the first day of every week. It's surely relevant for us to check that we too have prioritised the orderly, week-by-week practice of this precious command of our Lord Jesus, until, that is, he comes again.
Once again, I remind you of the opportunity to send for the booklet to accompany this series. It's very useful in that it gives the Bible references and sources so that you can pursue further study if you wish. But the book on its own is a good read and well worth having. So if you'd like a copy, please write in, making sure to let us have your postal address, of course, and ask for the title, Nothing But Christ Crucified. You can order by email or by post, and here are our contact details. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into e-books and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen e-books. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. Uh, or put the author's name if um, there's any difficulty. Now, many thanks once more for the pleasure of your company today and for your interest in these broadcasts. Now, God willing, there's a further talk in this series next week, so please join us if you can. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you. Whoa.